Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me on this very special edition of Half the Battle is the one and only Smiling Sam Alvey. Sam, welcome to Half the Battle, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. And you know, you're known for that big right hand, man. You got that one hit or quitter. When did you first find out that you could put people down like that? Uh, I don't know. It just kind of can't. I mean, I guess my second amateur fight, I dropped the boy pretty hard. Uh, but I it never really clicked. I just got in there and did what I did, and now I've got 17 knockouts. Yeah, so it was never something that happened before you started your career. You found out in your first amateur fight, like, wow, I can crack? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I never really thought much of it. It just it eventually turned into a habit. Yeah, and uh, speaking of habits, you know, there are pros and cons to having that kind of style because, for example... The pros are you can knock anyone out with one punch, but the cons are, you know, some dudes can out-volume you, they can out-point you, and if it goes to decision, you know, it might be a risk to rely on that one punch. So what's your perspective on that? Uh, well, as you see, I've got six losses. I believe five of them are uh, uh, due to decision. Uh, so I, 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 But I've won a bunch of decisions as well. So I, I don't know. I, I like my style. I think it makes more fans than the guys that, that, that hit real soft. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I'm, every fight I'm going out to try and finish them, I'm never fighting for a decision. Well, that's definitely one of the reasons the fans love you. And, I mean, you had a lot of experience before you got into the UFC. Obviously, you're the MFC champion, and uh, you fought in Bellator. I mean, how invaluable was that experience before you got to the big show? Yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, I, I've never really been nervous fighting, but at this point, I fought so many times between my kickboxing and my amateur and my fighting. I've got like over fifty fights, uh, and then I've got a bunch of pancreation stuff too. Uh, but I, I don't count that on my over fifty fights. So. Yeah, and your body's still feeling great. It's feeling like it is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, I mean, I want to talk about some of this pre-UFC experience because, I mean, you went to Mexico, you fought Augusta Montano, you went, uh, you fought in Auckland, New Zealand. I mean, what's it like taking on these guys in their hometowns? I, I love it. I have such a good time traveling, you know, I, so I, I, I've always taken my pay in the form of I get to see everything. Uh, I, I've been around the world twice. I fought around the world. I've, I've gotten to speak and train with people from everywhere, and uh, I, I just love it. And I know there's a bunch of cool places you've been to, and you probably don't want to say your favorite because you don't want to make others jealous. So maybe tell us your top three favorite places you've been to in the world that are named the United States. <laughs> well, the United States tops the list, but uh, I, I, I loved Australia. I, I'm going to fight back in Australia someday. Uh, I don't know when exactly, but it's going to happen. Uh, Brazil was also fun. And uh, uh, see where else. You know what? I, I've got uh, so many fans in Canada. Uh, I, I love fighting in front of the Canadian crowd. And, I mean, speaking of fighting in front of the Canadian crowd, I mean, i got a lot of questions to ask you, but we might as well get into it. You are fighting Elias Theodoro in Canada. I mean, first of all, how pumped are you for that fight? Oh, I'm stoked. I mean, I, I've been calling him out for more than a year now. And uh, he's been saying, no, no, I'm not going to fight him. No, or, excuse me, no, no, uh, in the Canadian <laughs> accent. Uh, no, I don't Don't want to fight that guy. Uh, but he, he finally got it. He, you know, he lost his last fight. And it was a hell of a fight. I mean, he, he, he went out on his shield. Um, but I, I'm guessing he, he doesn't get the, the say like he used to now that, he, now that he's lost. Right. And well, uh, speaking of that fight, man, I watched it last night again, you know, 
prior to coming into this interview, I wanted to be prepared. And dude, what about that guy Tiago Moretta in your weight class? Oh my god. Yeah, my weight class is so scary. I mean, there's there's a list of people I want to fight, and there's a really big list of people I don't want to fight. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel that, man. So speaking of Elias, you know, we know what he wants to do. Obviously, he probably wants to grind you out on the feet. He's got a volume style, you know, and then obviously he likes to grind things out. We know you want to knock him out. So, I mean, in your mind, do you think it's going to be a first-round knockout? Or are you expecting a three-round war? Like, what what goes on in Sam Alvey's mind before this uh, fight? No, I... I I never expect a first round knockout. I'm such a slow starter for you know I say that, but then I've got a lot of first round knockouts. But uh, I really am a slow starter. Um, so I've been, I've been working on it since my UFC debut, not starting so slow. But uh, I, I don't anticipate a first round knockout. But I, I do expect uh, a really good first round. I, I expect to set the pace for the rest of the fight, and and I know he's got conditioning for days, as, as do I. So for three rounds, it is going to be a fight of the night. And you mentioned you've been calling him out for a while. How come? Uh, it's just a great name. I, I, uh, he's got a style that I think leads to fight of the night, and that's who I want to fight. I, you know, my, my paychecks are great, but that extra $50,000 is even better. And uh, he, he's, he's a style that I, I think the two of us could very easily get, well, I could very easily get knocked out of the night, but the two of us could get fight of the night pretty easy. Yeah, definitely, man. And we're all looking forward to that fight now. I want to backtrack a little bit. I want to talk about your experience on The Ultimate Fighter because that's the first time I was ever exposed to you. You know, I saw you take on Leo Kuntz and oh my God, like whenever I show my friends, I'm like, dude, you got to check out this guy, Sam Alvey. I always show them that fight because that's a perfect introduction to what you're capable of. So when you dropped that big right hand on him and he went down, what was going through your mind, man? Uh, you know, it, it's funny. Uh, my buddy Tom Galicchio, he, he chokes people out. I've got nine or 17 knockouts. He's got like 14 rear naked chokes. And he said, oh, choking people's way better. I said, no, not knocking people out is way better. And I, it's you just feel it from that second you, you touch. Uh, you just know it's over. Uh, uh, the, the Samoan boy, he, he, he's real good at it. Um, I'm dr- uh, Hunt. Uh, Hunt, he, he's got that, that just one knockout where he just hits him and he knows it's over. And and Koontz was just one of those fights. It's just I, I I made contact and I knew that's all there was. Yeah, that's all she wrote, man. So okay, so you're one of the only guys in the UFC besides Mark Hunt that does the walk off knockouts. Now, when you drop them with that one punch, I mean, in your mind, are you like, all right, he's done? Is there like, is there no urgency to follow up, or do you know right away he's done? Uh, it depends on the punch. Uh, th- that fight, yeah, that was uh, I, I knew he was done. And actually, my fight just my two fights just before it, I believe it was Daniel Almeida and uh, Lopez, was the same thing. It was one hit where I, I just hit him and walked away. Um, and sometimes you feel it. Sometimes I, uh, uh, Cesar that took two punches. You know, I dropped him, and I probably could have walked away, but I, I wanted to make sure. Well, well, that was in Brazil, if I'm not mistaken. So it was probably a you know a good call to follow up there. Yeah, yeah, especially. I, uh, for the most part, I like following up. I, one, I think it looks cooler when you get a couple extra shots in there. You know, the Dan Henderson on Michael Bisbing thing, he was out, but it, I mean, it was that the H-bomb was born. Yeah. Um, so, but I, if, if I can make that contact, you, you kind of feel it just instantly that it, that it's what is going to end the fight. Yeah. And speaking of your boy, Dan Hendo, obviously we all know you guys have trained together for years. What's it like? training with a guy like that and how does that he hold back that that h-ball man how do you not take a lot of damage in, in training 
I wear really big headgear. Uh, yeah. No, it's it's so humbling fighting with or training with Dan because he's 46 years old and he can just beat us all probably at the same time if he wanted to. Uh, he, he's just he, he's just better than people, and, it, and it's ridiculous. Yeah, man, and he's actually rematching Machida. The first fight was super close. How do you see the rematch going down, man? You know what? That first fight, the judges got it wrong. Dan won that fight. Machida ran for 15 minutes, legitimately ran for 15 minutes uh and you know what if Machida wants to fight like that again he's got a chance to win but if he has any any cojones he's gonna he's gonna step up and try and fight this time and he'll lose that every time so in a real fight Dan Hendo wins in a point match Machida wins yeah yeah all right well we hope for a real fight because I mean that's what the fans like to see right that's what the fans want that's what Dan is looking for Uh, that's what Dan or Dana sorry I missed that Dan Oh, okay. Endo. Yeah, 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 for sure. And probably Dana, too. He wants an exciting probably knockout. Probably Dana, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you make your UFC debut against Tom Watson, and it's interesting because that fight, you know, I told a lot of my friends, like, I showed them the Leo Kuntz knockout. I was like, this guy's making his UFC debut. You got to check him out. He's got ridiculous power. So first two rounds go by, and, I mean, I feel like you were kind of like, hey, I'm in the UFC now. Like, welcome to the big show. But then that third round, that's when you let it go. So why didn't you let it go the first two rounds? It's that slow starting in me. Uh, that was the first non-title fight I had fought in a while, uh, and so I, I didn't have the five rounds. Round one, I mean, I did almost nothing. I, I think I I dropped him slash he tripped uh, and got right back up. Uh, round two, though, started picking it up late in the round. Then round three, it was kind of I, I had to finish him. Uh, I knew I was down the two rounds, and I had to go, go out on my shield, and uh, I couldn't quite get him to stop coming forwards, but... Uh, there, there was that, that second in there where I, had, I think it was like 55 unanswered strikes or something. I just, I couldn't land that sweet, that sweet spot. Yeah, but you definitely, uh, you know, if you were to fight him again, I think you'd probably knock him out in the first round because those 50 unanswered strikes, I mean, if this was a video game, that chin meter would be diminishing as we speak. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Maybe. I, I definitely would, would go in with a little bit different uh, game plan. Uh, I have decided I need to start checking kicks, too, after that fight. <laughs> uh, and so I've been working a lot on that. Yeah, that's it's definitely good to check some kicks on Muay Thai 101. Now, you mentioned how you're so used to going five rounds. I mean, you were the champion in MFC. Now, why don't you talk to me a little bit about the difference between being ready for a five-round fight and a three-round fight? I mean, do you purposely start slower? Because I know you are a slow starter by nature, but for a five-round fight... I mean, is it almost like a, an extra comfort knowing that you have those two extra rounds? Uh, yeah, a five-round fight, I throw the first round away. If I win it, awesome. If I don't win it, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, I, I just try and find that, that distance in that first round. Uh, and I, I've done pretty well. I, I have, it's an interesting stat, I have the latest stoppage in MMA history. Uh, with, with I believe it was my t- when I won the title. Uh, it was, there's four seconds le- left in a 25-second fight. Uh, or 25-minute fight, and I got I got the knockout then. Holy shit. That's badass, man. You, uh, yeah, I'm proud of that one. Your boy, uh, Demetrius Johnson, I think, did he break it when he uh, when he tapped out Horiguchi? I don't remember off the top of my head. He, he, he got a tap. I got a, I got a finish. There you uh, go. Got there a, you go. Got a knockout. Yeah, we favor knockouts over here, so I'll, I'll give you that, my man. <laughs> 
So next up, you take on Dylan Andrews. Now, this is kind of funny because a lot of people, they don't notice the little nuances that are going on in that fight. They think, you know, they, they make a lot of excuses for him and say that, you know, he, he knocked himself out, which in actuality, you hooked the leg when he was going for that takedown and then you reversed the position. So to you, I mean, obviously the knockout was beautiful. Is it frustrating at all that people don't notice that little uh, technical nuance you put in there? No, they, shoot, I hope, I hope they don't notice it. Because I'll do it again. I'll, I'll let someone take my back so I can knock them out as they try and take me down. Uh, I, I do it all the time in practice. It doesn't bother me that some people don't see it. Some people do, and that, that's kind of kind of cool when they do. Yeah, well, I definitely see that stuff, man. And I mean, for you, is that just is that the training that you've done with Dan Hendo? Where'd you learn how to do that? Because that was very slick, my friend. Yeah, that, that's just wrestling. Uh, someone gets your back; they're going for that suplex. You hook a leg; you just make it a little difficult, a little more difficult. Now, I, I didn't do it with the intent of knocking him out. Uh, that was a sweet little bonus. But I, I was doing it to try and either prevent the takedown or uh, end with my hips far enough away that I could end up on top. So, okay, so you hook the leg, and then you guys fall. And at that moment, did you just feel him release the grip, or? Yeah, he, he immediately loosened up on the grip. He wasn't out yet, but he, he was definitely wobbled. Um, then you, I did the little ninja move where I, I switched hips real quick and, and finished with some, some ground and pound. Yeah, that switch hip to the ground and pound was, uh, was nasty and devastating. <laughs> and it was a really good introduction for the fans that have never seen you outside of the UFC or on the Ultimate Fighter to understand the kind of power that Sam Alvey possesses. So, I mean, how good did it feel to get that first UFC victory, man? It, it was just, it was great. You know, it's, it's a off my bucket list. Uh, and it's, I could never, it's hard to describe that, the feeling it's something you put so much time and, and effort and money and sweat and tears into, and, and to get, it was just incredible. Yeah. And that fight was in Sydney, Australia. So, I mean, did you go out there early to acclimate? Because I know in the past you fought New Zealand, their next door neighbors. So, I mean, when you fight that far away, you're such an experienced vet. I mean, how far out do you go? I go, I think I got there if I fought on I fought on Sunday, you know, Australia time. I got there on, like, Wednesday. Uh, so, no, it's it's no extra time. Um, and, honestly, I kind of liked it because it, the time zone, I, I was fighting right when I'm wide awake back home anyways. So it was nice. And it was the same thing in Brazil. When I fought in Brazil, I was actually fighting at, like, 1 in the morning Brazil time. Uh, but it was actually it was, it was 9 at night here in the States. So I, I, felt, I felt wide awake and ready for action. So do you at all adjust your sleep schedule or do you stick to what it is normally? Because like you said, you know, even though it was nine o'clock in the morning over there, it felt like, uh, you know, nighttime over here. No, I, I, you know what? I, I've never, I know some people do, but I've always just been pretty comfortable doing it. Uh, I, just showing up and doing what I do at any time of day, any day of the week, I'm ready to fight. There you go, man. That's uh once again, why the fans love you, man. So next up, all right, so you take on Dylan Andrews in Australia, and then you take on Cesar Mutanch in Brazil. Like we mentioned, you're taking on all these guys in their hometowns, and, you know, obviously, you know, the first couple minutes of the fight, he's doing his thing, and then once you're like, hey, I'm going to throw that big right hand, you threw that big right hand, you sent him flying across the octagon. First of all, how good did it feel to land that one? Because that was unbelievable, dude. Yeah, that was a little one-two combo there. Uh, it, it felt pretty sweet, especially after the way and he, you know, he did that cocky, put his forearm on my throat or something, uh, which I wasn't expecting. You just grin through it, I guess. Uh, and so it, fe it felt nice landing those two. And the crowd loved it. 
It was so great. I walked in and everyone's cheering. Oh, you're going to die. You're going to die. But they're Portuguese. And by the time the, the fight ended, they were cheering my name. And it was just, it was wonderful. Well, you are a very likable character. So when they're screaming, oh, va moer, I mean, what does it take to piss you off? Uh, I tell you what, if, if you want to mess with my kids and wife, that, that'd be all my life. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I'm assuming no one wants to do anything <laughs> remotely close to that. But, you know, after the fight, like we mentioned, the Brazilians, they do have a lot of pride. They get behind their guys. Now, real quick, for all the American fans listening, I wish you guys would get behind all the American fighters. But then again, when it is American versus American, you do have to pick sides. But back on the point, I mean, were the Brazilians just, uh, did they... You know, did they accept you? Were they happy? Like, because oh, that, it was a highlight reel KO, man. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. They 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 loved it. Uh, that they, they were just erupting, and uh, afterwards, everyone that spoke English was just patting me on the back, saying, "You're you're the man." Everyone that spoke spoke Peach, Portuguese was talking to my coach, who speaks Portuguese, and telling him to tell me I'm the man. No, they they accepted me big time. Uh, uh, Twitter erupted after that one, and, and I was just, I was blessed to be down there, and I, I hope to fight in Brazil again. Yeah, for all the people that didn't speak English, they were all saying, boa, boa. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I love the Brazilians, man. They're passionate and great knockout. Now, next up, you took on Dan Kelly back in Australia, or was it New Zealand or Australia? That was Australia. Okay, yeah, so back in Australia, and I actually interviewed Dan Kelly uh, last week on Half the Battle. Very oh, yeah. Dude, he's a he's a gentleman, man. He's such a cool guy, and he had nothing but nice things to say about you. He said that that's the hardest he's ever been hit in his life. He says he regrets throwing a kick on the southpaw. Now, from your perspective, was it just about capitalizing on that kick he threw, or did you have something planned out uh, beforehand? Well, it's kind of funny. Actually, leading into that fight, I had torn my LCL, um, so it had to be it had it had to be that because I couldn't go to the ground because I didn't know if I'd be able to stand back up, uh, and it was he, he came at me which was awesome because I don't know how much I could have moved around either, um, and he he was just it just landed it was just one of those punches he he threw the wrong thing and I threw the right thing and it worked out all right he he was just a, a phenomenal athlete uh, that's why i had actually called him out after the cesar fight it's he, he's the one i wanted to fight I, I met him when i fought dylan andrews and he just seemed like a nice guy and uh i, w- I want to fight my friends i want to help make them money um have them help me make my money um which is another reason i thought theodore would be a good one uh you know as cocky and as happy as he is with himself i just think i'd like him if we were to hang out <laughs> yeah yeah definitely and i really like the fact i really admire the fact that you're willing to fight your friends because with a lot of these guys they're like oh we're friends we can't fight whereas i'm like dude if you offered me 100k to fight my brother dude we would both take that shit in a second you know <laughs> oh, what i mean absolutely the only one i think i wouldn't fight is uh, jesse taylor uh, and that's just because I think I'd lose. <laughs> <laughs> but you see, in my opinion, now I'm not a fighter, but from my perspective, there's etiquette when you fight your friends. For example, if you knock them out, you don't throw that follow-up punch. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. If I don't, if it doesn't need to be done, I won't do it. Um, but but yeah, if they if they get that lucky shot on me, I, I would be be the same guideline. Uh, if if it doesn't need to be done, why bother doing it? Uh, no, no false tapping if I get a submission. No, no trying to hide the tap on my leg. Uh, yeah, just be a gentleman with it. But that's that's kind of how I am with everyone. Oh yeah, no, no, no Brazilian tapping as they like to say. But uh, you know, but 
what I'm trying to say here is that, for example, with Cesar Mutanchi, you know, you guys weren't boys as far as I know. And, you know, he put his uh, hand in your throat. You threw that follow-up punch, no problem. It's not like you guys are friends. But, you know, for example, you said you like Elias. Let's say you, you, you land a big right hand on him and you know it's over. You're not going to throw that follow-up, though. It depends on how well I know it's over. If I know it's over, in, in his defense, he's got a hell of a chin. So uh, I probably won't know it's over with him. Yeah, not only does he have a hell of a chin and a poker face, dude, the guy can take a body kick too, because as we mentioned earlier on that show, that dude, Tiago Moretta Santos, that guy can kick so damn hard. I was uh, I was blown away that Elias uh, hung tough in there. Yeah, he looked great. You know, he got cut in that one, but um, he looked all right. Yeah, that cut was uh, was serious shit, man. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So you take care of Kelly, and then after the fact, I mean, you guys were cool because he's a gentleman. Everything was all good. Yeah, yeah, everything was cool. Uh, talked to his coaches, talked to him a little bit. You know, they said, yeah, good fight, good punch. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and I've been rooting for him every fight so far. His last fight was incredible. Man, that was the fight of the night for me. I was on my feet cheering on my TV so loud. It was just, it was so, so cool to see him come back and get that, get that win. Yeah, he's such a badass, and the way he put away that 25-year-old when, you know, this dude's 38. And it, it's funny, everyone counts him out in every single fight. The guy's like 11-1, and one. he's a true winner, you're, <laughs> you're his only loss. I'm like, you know, why, why do they count him out every time, do you know? Is it, he's, he says it's because he looks a little bit awkward and looks older, but the numbers speak for themselves, right, Sam? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, and he's been to the Olympics, what, three or four times. Uh, you, you can't count him out. I was when I fought him. I was incredibly worried. I even though I mean my knee was jacked up, but I was even before that. I knew I had to be on point because I knew if I gave him an inch, he would take a mile. So after that fight, you take on Brunson in Nashville. Now the fight didn't go your way, but I want to know a couple a couple things about that fight. First of all, what did you learn from that fight? Uh, I, I just froze. I tried to call his bluff. I, First, I knew he was going to take me down. I knew it was going to be a wrestling match. I knew it was going to. Uh, me coming off three first-round knockouts and him being a wrestler, I knew he was going to wrestle me. So when that stupid jerk punched me, caught me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I just I, I got caught flat-footed, and I do it every now and then too, too much, and it's not going to ever happen again. But uh, I, I'm usually convinced I can land a punch before they do, even if they, they throw it first. And he just caught me. Uh, caught me clean. Uh uh, wobbled me, and uh, you know what? He kicked my butt for two and a half minutes, but it was a terrible stoppage. It, when uh, was it was Yamasaki, when Yamasaki stopped the fight, I was fine. I I, had, I was on my way back up, and ugh, drives me nuts. But in that, just because I was fine then doesn't mean he wouldn't have continued to kick my butt for the rest of that round. <laughs> but at that stoppage, was it was it was way early. And let me ask you this. How hard does Derek hit? It was a good punch. It, like it, Of the flurry he, he was throwing at me, it was only the first one that really that really got me. Even the uppercut didn't hurt that bad. That first one caught me and put me on my heels for, for the next you know bunch of the round. But like, you know, you train with Dan Hendo every single day compared to Dan Hendo's right it's hand? Not Dan, it's not Dan Hendo's. No. And you know what? Every punch is different, but Dan hits on a different level of heart. Yeah, Dan's one of those guys where you probably block with uh, your forearm and you, you feel it in your brain, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, man. And yeah, you know, speaking of Yamasaki, you know, I don't normally throw shade, but I'm going to throw a little bit of shade on this guy because you remember that Eric Silva versus Carlo Prater fight where he DQ'd him? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. 
Yeah, no, I, yeah. He's just, and he, he stops stuff too early, too often. He's just not a great judge. And I liked him. He actually called me a week later, and uh, we FaceTimed, and he said, listen, I'm sorry I stopped it so early. Uh, you know, my goal is always uh, fighter's health. It's always my first choice, but it, you, I shouldn't have stopped it just then. Oh, really? He, so yeah. in his opinion, he made a mistake. Yes, and he, he called, he, we FaceTimed, he apologized, and um, he was all right. I accepted the apology, and I just, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best not, not to have him ref my fight again. Yeah, there <laughs> there you go, man. And, uh, you know, for you personally, would you, obviously you didn't like how it went down. Would you rather it go down how it went down, or would you rather have someone like a, like a Dan Mergliata who will, you know, he, he won't stop a fight until it's too late. Don't ever stop a fight, never. Don't ever stop it. Said my corner wants it stopped. They can throw in a towel. Uh, if it looks like I've died, feel free to stop it. Don't ever stop it. Anything short of me dying, uh, I, I am completely aware. I'm an, I'm an intelligent adult who trains this every day. Uh, don't ever stop it because you think I'm in a bad spot. If if I'm getting beat up so bad that it's boring to the audience, uh, okay, I will let you stop it then because then I'm hurting the audience. But anything shy of that, I, I don't want you stopping. It is, I'm completely aware of why I'm stepping into a cage to have someone beat me up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, Elias isn't really known for his one-punch knockout power. But then again, you can never underestimate anyone in the UFC because they are in the UFC for a reason. So, I mean, are you going to make a personal note to tell the ref, hey, don't stop this shit you know, if I'm in trouble until I'm dead? I actually, I have told every ref I've ever had that. I even told Yamasaki that before before the Brunson fight. So listen, my game plan is to get beat up a little bit. Don't stop it. And uh, he, he stopped it. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. So can I ask you for a couple of fight predictions? Because I know you're on top of what's going on in the middleweight division. Sure, let's let's hear it. All right, so we're only going to talk fights in the middleweight division. Obviously, I already asked you about Dan Hendo versus Machida, but I want to ask you about Robert Whitaker versus Rafael Natal because, dude, Robert Whitaker, I'm very impressed with this guy. In my opinion, he could be a future champion. I want to know your thoughts on Natal versus Whitaker. I'm going to go with Whitaker. Uh, he, he has been impressing me big time, uh, and he's on my list of people I want to fight because, again, I think I think that's a, t- a fight that, that will win me an extra $70,000. Uh, on top of getting me into the top 10. Uh, but he, he's just, he's impressive. He hits maybe harder than I do. Uh, and he's hes pretty jacked up too. So it, it's, I, I'm, I'm pulling for Whitaker and I think he'll get it. Yeah, it's interesting to see these guys that are moving up a weight class and they're having so much success. You know, you see Robert Whitaker, you see Dustin Poirier. They were already good at their former weight classes, but now that they're fully fed, fully hydrated, I mean, the results are speaking for themselves. Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's, he just, his last fight was against uh, uh, Uriah Hall, right? Yeah. And he just impressed the heck out of me. I I had Uriah to win that, and by the end of the first round, I saw it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, and you know, actually, on that topic, you did the same thing, because you tried to fight at 170, and I mean, you know, you knocked some dudes out, but you said the cut was real rough, right? Yeah, well, it wasn't even that I tried to fight at 170. It's the UFC called and said, hey, we'll put you on tough if you can make 170. I said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and, and it was, I never had any intention of fighting 170. I'll never do it again uh, unless it means I have a job. <laughs> right, there you go. Well, I, I hope you stay at 185 because, I mean, that's the perfect weight class for you. Oh, yeah, I'll be 185. I'm ha- I'd be happy to fight 205. And if ever someone wants to see me at heavyweight, I'll go there too. 
Yeah. So next fight prediction, we got Tamden the Barncat McRory, and he's taking on Christoph Jocko. And uh, this kid Jocko, he's flying under the radar, man. A lot of people don't know about him, but I know about him. You, do you know about Jocko? I do not. Do you know about Tamden McRory? I do not. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, you got to look out for these two because they're two up and comers in your weight class that are, are you know, they're they're making waves, man. So look out for Jocko versus McRory, and it's all, I, all right. Yeah. I'll look at I'll look into that right away. And I think it's actually on if I'm not mistaken, it might be on the same card that you're fighting on, so we'll see. Oh cool. Oh sweet. Well then I will see him. Yeah. Well I know for a fact you got an opinion on this fight. Luke Rockhold versus Chris Weidman, the title you're coming for. Oh, I'm so torn on that one. I, I picked I loosely picked Weidman to win the first one. Uh but I, I wasn't gonna be surprised if Rockhold won. And now I I'm gonna I think I'm going to stick with Weidman, but it's such I, – I wouldn't put a dollar on it. I wouldn't bet a dollar because I, I, I just – Rockhold is so good, but then so is Weidman. And Weidman lost the first fight on just such a stupid spinning heel kick. <laughs> Dude, I couldn't believe it. It was it – was, oh, You're going to throw that on a guy who's four inches taller than you and you're going to throw it the wrong direction? <laughs> yeah, and you're going to throw it when you've never thrown it in your entire career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to go with Weidman, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if uh, Rockhold won. Yeah, Rockhold's an absolute monster. It wouldn't surprise me either. I'm going to go with Weidman too, though, and he's the underdog. So, you know, if the, if the price is right, maybe take that shot on the dog. Yeah, yeah. So see, if, see what he can do. And I, I just I think he'll have a smarter game plan this time. Yeah, now in this next fight I want you to predict, we got, I don't know if I want to call him an up-and-comer, but he's only had a couple fights in the UFC. Vitor Miranda, he's taking on Chris Camozzi, who's a vet. And Camozzi, you know, he's starting to find his groove. And Vitor Miranda, I mean, this dude, he's obviously a world champion kickboxer, and now he's coming into the UFC, he's stuffing dudes' takedowns, and he's knocking them out with head kicks. You know about these two guys? I, I know Camozzi pretty well, and uh, uh, the other boy, not, not so much. But I, I'm going with Camozzi. I'm just, I'm a fan of his. Yeah, I mean, Kamozi, I met him uh, in Nashville, actually. He fought on the same card as you. Very nice guy. So I'd be rooting for him as well. But the thing with Vitor Miranda, check him out when you get a chance, man. He's a, he's a scary individual. Yeah, no, I, I will do. Once again, it's funny. I'm going between the fights with uh, the relatively, you know, newcomers to the to the to the vets and the super fights. So, speaking of vets and super fights, we got Jacare versus Vitor Belfort. I mean, and it's in Brazil. Doesn't get any better than that. So, obviously, Jacare is a huge favorite. Is it worth taking a shot on Vitor Belfort? Because in my opinion, he can knock out anyone on planet Earth. Yeah, you know, the problem with Vitor is he's only got one round in him. Uh, and then his heart breaks, and he's so easy to to, to work with the, the rest of the time. And Jacare is so strong for the whole time. So I, I'm, I'm going Jacare as well. I, I don't think it'll be first round, but I could easily see it second, third round. Now, you've wanted to fight Uriah Hall for a very long time. Before we talk about his next matchup, you know, talk once again about how, you know, you wanted to fight these tough winners and people you consider your friends. Talk, talk about how you wanted to fight Uriah Hall for a while. Yeah, Uriah's a good dude. I met him once or twice. Uh, we, we never never really talked, but he always seemed like like a hardworking, uh, uh, just good MMA artist. And uh, I, I, I would be honored to step in the cage with him. It'll happen someday, I'm sure. We're, we're both, I think we both have five or six fights right now, and we're both climbing the rankings slowly but surely. He, he just broke into the top ten with that huge win. Uh, although his fight against Silva, 
it's going to be tough for him. Silva is – when Silva wants to be, he's just as good as he gets. Yeah, here, here's my thing with that fight. So, obviously, you know, I tend to favor the younger guys against the aging vets. But the thing is, Uriah's fighting the guy that he, you know – he made his style after. He idolized this guy. I'm sure growing up he had a poster of Anderson Silva in his room. So what's it going to be like fighting his hero? Yeah, and that, that's the other thing about Uriah Hall. It kind of depends on how who shows up. Sometimes he's just on fire. He's got that right mindset. And this time, I, you know, if he idolizes him so much, he might not come out with that killer instinct. But then again, he might come out with the spinning heel kick and just knock him out. <laughs> yeah, so with that said, it's like I feel like Anderson has more of a will to win, but I also feel like his chin might be more diminished than Uriah. So I don't know if he can take the same amount of damage that Uriah can. Yeah, you know, it was uh, Silva never had, was never known for his super chin. He just never got hit. I mean, he'd stand there with his hands down and dodge, you know, flurries of 10. Um, so he kind of, not a spinning heel kick hits you, you're going down. I don't care how good your chin is. Yeah. It's whether or not it can land on, on Silva that, that makes the makes it so different. But what about it's so hard to read. What about the hands though? Because I feel like, you know, he it might be a good idea to throw some hands on Anderson. Hey, you know what? Watching uh, that Bisbing Anderson fight, it's not a bad idea to throw the hands. Uh, Bisbing was having a lot of luck with those punches and bunches. Um, I, I just Uriah doesn't really do the punches and bunches. He's more of a one-two kind of kick kind of guy. Um, so I, if you're going to throw that few, I, I don't know. But then Uriah's got that huge range too. It's a fun fight. I, I'm looking forward to it. So if you had to make a pick right here, right guess, now on half the battle, I, I will never bet against Silva. So I'm going to Silva. All right, Sam. You Alvey. put Silva versus Weidman again. I'm picking Silva. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. Uh, you know, I got a lot of shit for uh, becoming a Weidman fan after he knocked out Silva. And it's not like I stopped being a Silva fan. I just gained a lot of respect for Weidman because for me. Before the fight, I was like, yeah, if he's going to win, he's going to wrestle him, you know, this and that. And he goes out there and fights him like a man. And then after the fact, he was super classy. So I was like, how can you not like this dude? He just knocked out the baddest man on the planet. Yeah, yeah. And then Silva was clowning a lot too, and he still still took him out. Yeah, that, that was unbelievable. So last fight prediction before we get out of here, man. And we've been talking about this dude all show. Tiago Moreta Santos is taking on Nate Marquardt in Brazil. Who you got? Oh, I, you know what? I, it may be a bad choice, but I'm going with Marquardt. He was my coach on tough, and uh, so I, I don't want to. I don't want to bet against him. He's got all the tools to beat anyone, uh, but I and I, I don't want to bet against him. Yeah, Marquardt's actually really damn good. A lot of people don't give him the credit he deserves. You know, it's just, he's got all the the techniques, all the physical capabilities. It's just a matter of showing up on fight night. But when you talk about this guy Tiago Moreta, I mean, like we said, that body kick is just you cringe when you when you hear that the crack of that body kick. You know what I mean, Sam? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been kicked in the body once or twice, and uh, ne- never by anyone quite like him. Yeah, so you said, uh, you know, I know you're not looking past Elias, you, but you're down to fight anyone in that division. Have you been eyeing Tiago Moreta for a while? Uh, you know what? I've only seen his one fight against Elias. Oh, so okay. uh, coming up to the fight, I, I'm sure I'll do a lot more film watching on everybody uh, so, I, so I get my next uh, call out ready. For sure, yeah. Let me tell you this. Okay, so you only seen the fight with uh, Elias. His fights before that, dude, he was knocking guys out with head kicks, 
body kicks and it was like within like a minute of the fight and it's just the loudest crack you've ever heard in your life so go back and check it out on fight pass man tiago santos is a beast oh he definitely will for sure man so a couple fan questions so is it true your wife won america's next top model she sure did cycle 11 wow that's unbelievable man congrats she is pretty wonderful yeah man and uh this is this one's funny what toothpaste do you use? Because maintaining the pound-for-pound pound best smile in the UFC can't be easy. I use whatever toothpaste wants to sponsor me. And <laughs> that toothpaste is the best toothpaste ever. Yeah, and uh, Whiskey Sour wants to know, when was the last time Smile and Sam genuinely laughed out loud? Uh, I, it happens all the time. <laughs> I, I, I'm my own best critic. I will like kind of start thinking something, and I'll, I'll get myself crying. Uh, laughing so hard uh my my wife thinks it's hilarious because i'll just i'll kind of start saying something and i'll just run it through in my head and I'll, I'll be crying with with laughter before before you know she knows what's going on yeah now obviously you're not looking past elias but besides elias which ufc middleweight do you want to knock out the most uh michael bisbing and not that i want to knock him out i just want to fight him and i've wanted to fight him for for a decade uh, he was just on my list from from the time he fought uh, Matt Hamill. He did not beat Matt Hamill. I don't care what those judges did; they were paid off. He did not beat Matt Hamill, uh, and so B- B- Bisbing is on my is on my list. Uh, it's it's a fight I want to happen, yeah, and I like him. I've trained with him too. He's a nice guy, um, and he's got that that kind of cocky Britishness about him. But uh, it'd be an honor to step in the cage with him. Oh, look, I just got messaged a question for you as we're doing this interview. And uh, Hari Tarverian wants to know, at this stage of your MMA career, do you try to work on your weaknesses or just fine-tune your strengths? I don't have any weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> My man, that's what we like to hear. I actually want to ask you about that matchup with uh, Bisbing because it's a such a contrasting style matchup you know he's a volume striker you got that one hitter quitter how would you avoid losing that decision i know obviously knock him out but i mean <laughs> but how, how, how do you find michael bisbing because he's unbelievable with his movement and his volume he, he is and it's it's a fight that that will be hard for me but i'll figure it out uh i think rockhold was onto something when when uh he he, he did it with kicks he kind of slowed him down a little bit with kicks and I know I'm not a huge kicker in the ring, but in the practice room I am. And if I can get that coming into the into the uh, uh, octagon with me, I, I think I could I could slow him down a little bit. Hey, man. Well, Sam, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now, on half the battle. What's going to go down when you fight Elias in Ottawa? Uh, I tell you what, I'm going to make a lot of Canadian fans. That's what's going to happen. Awesome, man. Well, you got an American fan in me, and everyone that listens to this show is going to become a fan if they aren't already. Just let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and what's coming up next besides this fight in Ottawa. Yeah, hit me up. I'm at Smiling Sam. That's Twitter, Instagram, Vines, Facebook, all that stuff. It's at Smiling Sam. Uh, And I am making a ton of videos kind of poking fun at Elias. I've already got a couple up already, so if you get on there, you'll get to laugh along with everyone else. Um, and yeah, I'm just keeping busy. I, I work at my gym with the amateur team. I work with a lot of pros too. Uh, I'll be cornering Sean Strickland two weeks before my fight. Uh, and we just, yeah, keep your eyes out. I'm always somewhere. Dude, speaking of your boy Strickland, who's he fighting again? Uh, Breezy. Or Br- oh, Breezy. oh, he's fighting Breeze. Oh my God. This is going to be great because he's going to be a big underdog and Breeze is super hyped. 
So uh, we're going to make a lot of money on Sean Strickland. I oh, cannot wait. I, yeah, this is a fight that, I mean, Sean wanted. Dude, fuck yeah. That's I'm really happy you just told me that. And can we talk about your boy Sean for a sec? Because I'm super impressed with him. Sure, sure, yeah. And, uh, well, first of all, do you also train with Lorenz Larkin? Uh, not yet. I, I would have, but Sean broke my jaw. So, so I was <laughs> out for a little bit. Oh, damn. Okay, okay. Well, good that you're uh, you're back in, you know, 100%. So, I mean, tell, what's the ceiling on this kid, Sean? Because, dude, in his last fight, the way he used his range, his timing, he's really starting to put it together. Sean is so talented. I mean, it makes me sick. Or stupid kid. <laughs> he, he's, he's 24, and he's just good at stuff. He's just got that, and he's got that fighter's mentality, too. He wants to go in there and he wants to beat someone up. He doesn't want to outpoint him. He doesn't want to, uh, you know, point spar with him. He wants to beat somebody up. Uh, and so I, it, it's so much fun working with him. Uh, and I, Breeze isn't going to know what he signed up for. Yeah, Breeze, I mean, I got a lot of respect for him. He's in the UFC. He's gotten the victory every single time. But yeah, he's in over his head on this one for sure. And it's funny because, like we mentioned, Strickland's going to be the underdog because of the hype that Breeze has. So we're all going to cash in. I cannot wait for that. Yeah, me neither. I'm putting a bunch of money in, Sean. Okay, well, Smile and Sam, I can sit here and talk to you for the next two hours, but I will let you go. Thank you so much again for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Best of luck against Elias. And, man, after the fight, we'd love to get you back on the show. All right, that sounds great. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, man. You have a great day, all right? All right, you too. All right, see you, Sam. Everyone tuning in to Half the Battle for the very first time, thank you very much. Subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, and SoundCloud, and make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. So until the next time, thank you guys very much, and enjoy the fights.